We are back finally. I think uh, I think our summer break is over, Kelsey. We got to get back into this. Um, I guess so. It is week one of the NFL season coming up this week. The season opener on Thursday: Buccaneers and I believe it's the Cowboys. Uh, and then the Bears will open up in Los Angeles against the Rams on Sunday night football. A prime time embarrassment, I'm sure coming for the Bears. Maybe not that bad. We'll see. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll talk about the Bears season and a little bit of Notre Dame football as well with Sean Davis, a friend of mine from the radio business. Uh, that'll be coming up a little bit later on. But uh, Kelsey, how was the summer? Like, did you guys do anything? Like, what's what's going on? Yeah, we, um, we had a holiday weekend uh, that was just kind of full. We bowled on Friday evening. Well, that's right. We're which... on a bowling team together. Yes, you're well aware of because it was with you. Yeah. Um, I'm still sore today. It is Monday, so that bodes well <laughs> for our future. Um, and then we had, you know, saw some friends Saturday and Sunday, so that was really nice. There it was you go. a good holiday weekend today. Just we're completely lame pieces of junk. That's okay. That's that's why this day exists. It is Labor Day, the day How that we I are recording. It. Yeah, it's it's the day that's meant for us to not be at work and do whatever – the hell we yeah. want to do. Um, we you were, took a trip this weekend. Yes, you I was tell. just going to say, we were in Monmouth, Illinois, which when I first heard of where this town was or what it was, I was like, we're in the middle of fucking nowhere. But there's a college there, and it's it's actually you know a nice little town and near another town called Galesburg that has some stuff to do. The girls went and did like a winery and an escape room yesterday. Um, so the, the place we stayed at was an Airbnb, and... Oh, so cool. I saw photos. Yeah. Keep talking. We, we found out we, we thought it was an old bar, like a loft bar or something like that, because there was a legit probably 30 foot long bar with stools and everything. Industrial kitchen, industrial fridge, industrial stovetop. Huge open space. Huge it open like, space. Like a they, banquet hall. Yeah. They probably <laughs> do like, you know, small wedding receptions in there. There's a mechanical bowl, which luckily probably for a good thing or probably for it was probably for the best i should say that that didn't come out um but the, the <laughs> yeah, me mechanical bowl um open space for the the five kids to run around um and tire themselves out for bedtime which was great um and so it's it's on the second floor of uh an office building and Wild. yeah it, it was so monmouth illinois is home to monmouth college home of the fighting scots in case you were wondering um oh, yes i was thank you <laughs> and i i will say that uh, when we got there on saturday uh and went out to lunch right away to this uh nice little um i'm not sure if i would call it a gastro pub but um a nice little nice little restaurant one of the best sandwiches i ever had it was a like really? a barbecue sauce glazed pork chop butterflied with ham and bacon and onions on a on a bun with uh, no no other sauce. It was just the barbecue sauce. Oh my god, it was good. So it's perfect diet food. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm glad. And yeah, Anne sent me photos just before we were here, and I was like, holy cow! Like, yeah. And I was like, did they go to a wedding? And she's showing me like where the wedding was hosted. Like, that's did, not. Did what's you see the, read? the theater room? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Super cool. So when we I've seen pictures, obviously, but and then when we got there, we we're like, mm -hmm. where's the theater room? Well, there's a, a a trap door that they made in the bookcase. Oh, shut up. It swings open and in, into the theater room. Yeah. Oh, 
<laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it looked really fun. Um, maybe next time I'll be invited yeah. and I'll get to see it in person. Absolutely. I, you know what? I mean, it was. Give Ann some crap for me. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's one of those spots that's like, I am never coming back to Monmouth again, but it was so perfect. You know, yeah. with the, with that space, and then you know, us us guys went golfing yesterday in the morning, and then the girls went that out and did lovely. their thing. So yeah. that uh, it worked out perfectly. Um, well, good. So um, your young or your oldest, I should say, is yes. starting school. What Brady preschool preschool? And actually, it's only because of where he is age wise like where his actual birthday falls mm -hmm. and the fact that uh covid was in full swing last year that we did not try to get him in school last year so he's actually kind of a, a little bit late to the game almost because he's almost four and he's going to three-year-old preschool okay just because of the fact that he doesn't turn four till the end of this month um so we did like a meet the teacher and we did i did a parent orientation um and his preschool teachers feel very much like they were born to be preschool teachers. Don't all preschool teachers end up that way? It takes a very special type of person. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. I am always glad when I say like, oh, you found it. Okay. You found the right place for you. Right. And that's great. Um, and so we're excited for him to like meet other kids his own age. Um, we've I've talked a lot on this podcast about like how my kids, um, especially Adam, who was eight months old, we went into lockdown are just like kind of COVID kids mm -hmm. um, and just don't have a ton of socialization or social skills. Um, ben loves to introduce himself to random people at the park <laughs> and things, which is like sort of encouraging and sort of like all oh, that stranger danger loves that. Yeah, sure. Um, he'll be like, hi, I'm Ben. And this is my brother, Adam. And I'm like, I'm sure that the person who wants to take you would love <laughs> to know those details. Right. Um, but also it's kind of encouraging that he's like trying to meet kids, you know, his own age. And um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Wednesday is his first day. I took off the morning uh -huh. so that I could drop him off and pick him up. And we got um, there's a book series called Llama Llama. It's about Llama Llama Red Pajama. Oh, it's actually okay. The, the pilot book. And then they have all these different books. And this one is called Llama Llama Mrs. Mama. It's about how the llama goes away to school, mm -hmm. llama school, and misses mommy. So mama, that's that's a rhyme right, thing, right? Um, and so we we bought the book and we're kind of doing it. And you know, his preschool teachers are like, "Just make sure you promise him you'll come back and get him." And he'll be fine. <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, great." Um, but he's kind of smart. I was telling him last week. I was like, "Yeah, we're gonna take you to school." He goes, "Yeah, yeah, my new school." And I was like. We're going to leave you there for a couple hours and then we're going to come back. And he's like, just don't leave. <laughs> and I'm like, just, you know, there's a lot of logic there. <laughs> right. Like he's like, OK, well, you're trying to preempt this problem, but all you have to do is just not do it and then it'll be fine. And I'm like, <laughs> he, he doesn't quite get the concept of school yet. We've never left him anywhere. Right. Um, I mean, other than family. Right. So he goes to his grandma and grandpa's. Um, even when he's here with my folks, I'm here, um, or maybe with my sister and her family. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's like, we've never left him alone with people who aren't related. So yeah. it'll be interesting and he'll be fine. It's, he is more worried about the idea of it. He's going to love it when he gets yeah, there. So. For sure. Yeah. yeah if he, if he's introducing in himself to people on the playground, then he'll, he'll be fine in, yeah. in school in a much more, uh, conducive environment. Yeah, I'm not actually worried. I'm just sort of like, okay, let's get there. Let's do it. Right, right. Be done with it. <laughs> right. I so. um, I I did something that I uh wasn't sure I would ever do. Um, Ooh. I downloaded TikTok. 
Oh, I just lost a lot of respect for you, I think. <laughs> I think I lost a lot of respect for myself. Um, okay, well, I guess let's I, talk about it. I, I keep, you know, hearing, oh, I saw this TikTok, I saw this TikTok. And supposedly, I haven't really started to explore the app yet um, and, and get to know, like, what it can offer. But supposedly, you can tailor it to your, to your interests, right? Oh. Sports, music, food, whatever. Um, but I, so yours is going to be sports and music and food. Yeah, not necessarily in that order. Um, <laughs> but I'm now a little bit concerned of losing brain cells to TikTok challenges like that milk crate thing. Don't do it, man. Just don't do it. <laughs> but Just I, don't do it. I guess I wanted to keep some sort of um, uh, sense of uh, in touch with the younger generation and my younger self. So I guess that's why I downloaded TikTok. Yeah. Um, we'll I mean, see. I applaud you in some ways, right? Like I can't, <laughs> I can't go there. Um, but I have found that other, you know, media that I follow is just, just going like, so I'll watch an Instagram and it'll be shared from TikTok. And I'm yeah. like, it's basically the same thing. Right. But right. It's a bad idea for me to have another social media. App <laughs> I mean, I, I do not plan at all to post anything on tiktok mm -hmm. right you won't You're gonna catch be a voyeur me. <laughs> you, you for, won't for. you won't catch me in public doing a tiktok dance in in you know for mm -hmm. I, I kid you not so last winter um uh, we went to not morton Arbor, uh the botanic gardens for okay they have their lights and everything and um you i've just, heard it's good it was you just walk along a, a predetermined path and you know see all that there is to see well there was a group of maybe 15, they had to have been 10 years old, these girls. Oh, and okay. they were holding up traffic because they were trying to do a TikTok dance and it they couldn't oh. they couldn't finish until they got it absolutely perfectly correct. So Oh goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've now lost more respect for you. Don't look at me for that. Well, but like you know that that's what's on there, and then you decided to join. Cause let's you let's to, like, let's make something perfectly I mean, clear. I am not watching ten-year-old girls dance on TikTok. Okay, that's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Just I had to now throw that, that one out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's 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 you're be right, clear. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the social media front, um, I've been I, I've I've talked about this before. How, um, in February, I started following the story of a, mm -hmm. a child with cancer. Um, and September is childhood cancer awareness month. Um, and so my feed has just exploded for the last week because mm -hmm. I do follow quite a few families, um, who either have children in treatment or in remission or children who have passed. Um, and I got to tell you, it is so overwhelming. Um, so I don't know how people like social media regularly, but I think like my, steroid feed that's happening right now is like what some people's regular social media yeah. feeds are right and i could never sustain it like there are there are times that i'm like okay well i'm, I'm just absolutely not going to go on at all because i can't right um and then of course the other thought is like maybe i should unfollow and then i'm like oh my god i can't do that that's horrible <laughs> um because these, these are causes that i am actually now very passionate about sure, i sure. wouldn't do that but um, it, yeah, I don't know how some people like really, truly do. I mean, I, I keep in touch with people I know, and now I have a couple of, I guess, you know, I guess I have, I don't, I don't follow celebrities, but I do follow like a couple of things now. And it's sort mm -hmm. of like, oh, 
and then managing the and we're back one yeah um which i'm horrible at because i'm just like this is too much sports well now this now we're getting much. back into it so yeah we'll <laughs> we'll be better about it because we we had taken that break but uh you know social media is is interesting um it's dangerous i i think yeah. um in in some sense of the word um dangerous to it's a dangerous like time suck Right. Ooh. Like if you're str just scrolling through your Facebook or your Instagram feed, mm -hmm. um, you know, Twitter. I, I love Twitter because it's uh, like the perfect thing for um, live events, sports or I otherwise. That, yeah. So I remember specifically when um, the Boston Marathon bombing happened. Oh, following different reporters in Boston on Twitter that day. And then. Mm -hmm. A couple days later, when they when they caught the guy, I mean that's okay, just yeah. fascinating. You're getting yeah. stuff as it happens. Uh, I get so that. so it's great for sports, right? Like on on Sunday night, I'm sure I'll be you know tip tapping away on uh, on my phone for for Twitter mm -hmm. during the Bears game, and and lots of other people will be doing the same thing. So um, it's it's like a de facto newswire, um, so to speak. Yeah, I get that. Okay. And and you can you know. Uh, Twitter is what you make of it, just like a lot of social media. But uh, to me, Twitter is my favorite. So we'll, Good for you. We'll see what happens I like with Instagram because I like photos. I photos are nice. Photos are nice, yeah. I've been using yeah, Instagram a lot more. Thing. Okay. Well, yeah. then you can take over our, our <laughs> AWB one. Uh, this week in history, what do you got? You are, you are, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Today in history, September 6th, which is, of course, today, the day we're recording, mm -hmm. 1915. Brady, what do you think happened? September 6th, 1915. Mm -hmm. Is it too early for the start of World War One? It's actually too late for the start of World War One. Really? But it, but it is World War One related. Oh, okay. Um. I think 1914 was the start of the war. Okay. By the way. Okay. Spring 1914. Spring 1914. So 1915, World War One related. Um, uh huh. Uh huh. First airplanes used in warfare. <gasps> Close. Oh man. First tank was produced. Ah, okay. All right. A prototype tank named Little Willie <laughs> was developed in Britain. In response to the trench warfare, okay, um, of World War One, right? Uh, it apparently did not go super well, um, and they were not actually used a ton in World War One, but be but came to heavy uh, prevalence in World War Two. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So yeah, apparently that was all started in World War One in response to just the the tanks and the trenches and you know, kind of needing a way to navigate that a little more easily. Quick sidebar, speaking of tanks in World War II, the okay. movie Fury, Brad Pitt, Shia oh, LaBeouf. I don't think we saw that. Great movie. Is it good? Yes. Okay. Highly recommend. Deal. That was your side note that yes. you recommend it? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, you cut out a little. That's what oh. I was making sure. Gotcha. It was not because I thought it was a bad wreck. It was just because I no. didn't really hear it. Gotcha. Okay. September 7th. 1996. September 7th, 1996. Mm -hmm. Too late for the end of the Atlanta Olympics. Ooh. This is a this is a United States thing. Okay. Sports? No. 1996. Um, I don't know. Entertainment but not sports. Entertainment but not sports. No idea. 
Tupac Shakur was shot. Oh, I don't know why I had like 1992 as the date for Tupac in my head. 96, and he died a few days later. So okay. he was not shot and killed right. on this date. But he was shot um, and was in the hospital for a few days before he died. Or was he? <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't have even included anything about a death. Right. Sorry, Brady. <laughs> yeah, him and Elvis um, are the ones that keep popping up, right? Him and who? Elvis. Oh, yeah, there you go. Um, so, you know, obviously, the, I get actually get a lot of this from the History Channel, um, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Um, so, of course, a lot of it is very tentative or, or vague on mm -hmm. this particular issue because no one knows who done it. Right. Um, but all the all the theories were listed in there. But we don't have time for that. Uh, September 8th, 1504. September 8th, so 1504. Uh, Shakespeare born? Ooh, that's a good guess, but no. But wrong. This, yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> this is art, not literature. Okay. If that helps. Uh, Michelangelo paints the Sistine Chapel. <gasps> Michelangelo's statue of David is ah, unveiled to the public. All right, Brady, all right, all right. I am so proud of you. <laughs> that's that's that useless trivia shit that we talked about. I know. About I'm with really Steve. proud. This is <laughs> honestly not everyone could do this, Brady. Bravo. <laughs> Um, the statue was unveiled to the public. It was originally in an outdoor arena and it was moved in a couple hundred years later just to protect it. Um, and it is, uh, it took approximately three years to create. It was made out of a single slab of marble. I think, and um, it, I think it's a statue of David, but I've seen pictures of how they created a brick dome to go over the top of it to protect it from German bombing in World War II. Ooh, I think I could be I could be way off on that. OK, well, we'll have to I'll have to fact check that since Owen is no longer with us. That's right. Um, I will. I will write that down. Uh, September 9th, 1956. September 9th, 1956. Mm -hmm. You're not start have to give me uh, categories here. U.S. U.S. And uh, and uh, entertainment. Marilyn Monroe something. Ooh. No, but that's a good guess, though. Uh, nope. Elvis Presley made his first appearance on the Ed ah, Sullivan. Okay. Which is why I laughed when you said oh. Tupac and Elvis keep <laughs> up. And I was like, yes, they do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yes, uh, Elvis debuted on the Ed Sullivan show. And, of course, um, Moving those ultimately rocket to, to fame. Um, ben has some hip moves <laughs> that look very much like Forrest Gump um, impersonating Elvis. Nice. That doesn't give you a visual. <laughs> I don't know what will. Uh, September 10th, 1977, France. And I'm going to go with politics, maybe, for, for, the, for the category. Okay. Did they like change political government systems or something? No, they didn't. Yeah, I have no idea. Okay. The guillotine was oh. used to execute someone for the last time in France. Wow. 1977. Of all the execution methods, that's got to be the most brutal. So this was kind of interesting. I read up a little bit about it, um, and it was apparently um, a project given to um, a physician and revolutionary 
Joseph Ignace Guillotin, 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 mm-hmm. um, one passage of a law requiring all death sentences be carried out, quote, by means of a machine. So that okay. was apparently like the machine I don't know. that he came up that with. that was yeah that was like the the hey let's do this um it says his supporters viewed these devices as more humane than other ex- uh, execution techniques such as hanging or firing squad a french decapitating machine was built and tested on cadavers and on april 25th 1792 a highwayman became the first person in revolutionary france to be executed by this method that's wild and of course, the two most famous people to ever be executed by guillotine were Marie Antoinette and mm-hmm. her and Louis the Sixteenth. So Off I had no head. idea that it that it was used into the 1900s. Yeah, it's crazy. I, yeah, yeah. Um, just a fun fact: four years later, 1981, France would outlaw capital punishment. Period. Oh, so okay, it was only four years later that they. That's the politics part. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard. I don't know. Maybe war would have been better. Maybe. All right. This one's going to be a doozy, Brady. Uh-huh. September 11th, 2001. Mm-hmm. Yep. We all know what happened then. Yeah. So I don't think I need to give you a, a no. location or a category for that. No, uh, but I, I think I got that one. It's 20th anniversary. 20 years. Um, so I know that there are actually a couple of um, documentaries and things that are going to be out and played. Um, we ourselves are camping. Oh, not related to obviously September 11th, but just we will be doing that. So I have a couple that I have set to record just to kind of see. Um, And there was something I found kind of interesting. There's a um, it's called 9-11 Lost and Found, the items left behind. Oh, I think I saw an ad for that. Yeah. And I thought it was it was interesting. It says uh, more than 11,000 artifacts were collected and have been put on display. Um, and I don't know if these are, if this is traveling, I only got a chance to read just a little bit of it. Um, but it looks like these might be um, typically on display in the Memorial Museum in New York City, but that they may be making their way around. Well, there's like touring. There's actually a um, up near Wakanda. I'm not sure if it's in Wakanda, but um, there's a park and I think it's like a a memorial park. They have a veterans memorial. And uh, I think I think it's Wakanda. They have like a a piece of steel from one of the towers on display. Random, random place for it. But yeah, that might be kind of what you're talking about. Like just yeah, maybe that's it. I, I don't know. It was kind of it came up as like uh, making it look like it was it was at least pieces of it might be traveling. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I have to tell you, we went to Oklahoma in 2013, mm-hmm. I think March of 2013 um, and uh, happened to be there for a wedding. But we we visited the Oklahoma City bombing memorial. Yeah. It's outdoors. It's hmm. And it was just like such a heavy feeling. Yeah. It was really, I mean, I've not been to a ton of, of those kinds the, of things. Um, the Vietnam veterans uh, or the Vietnam Memorial in DC yeah. is like that. And we yeah. went at night and it's all lit up and mm. yeah, heavy mm. for sure. Yeah, that is. Arlington so. National Cemetery. Like You've been to DC, right? No, I have oh, not. That's right. I think we talked about that. But, yeah, uh, I'd like to go. It, it's definitely on my list. We did. Um, uh, we did the Vietnam Memorial, and we also did 
Arlington and okay. JFK's grave with Mrs. JFK. Um, <laughs> and Jackie was her name. That's right. Yes. Indeed. Um, and then <laughs> changing the she guard. She was fairly famous in her own <laughs> right. <FYI. laughs> yes, she, yes, she was. Yes, she was. Um, changing the guard. One of the okay. coolest things you'll ever witness. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah I'll bet. Well, so I, you know this. I'm a little bit of a West Wing junkie. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do a lot um in dc but they do have several scenes at arlington they have a couple of scenes at the national cathedral um you know most of the show was taped in la but they do go on site and go to washington and Mm -hmm. um i've just had an increased interest in politics over the last however many years um i guess due to growing up yeah that's what happens i guess more informed um mostly jamie let's be real um so (laughs) Just, just Jamie making me a better person, <laughs> more, more well-informed individual. Um, but yeah, I definitely have some interest, and in now I think it's just a matter of whether or not we're going to wait till the kids are kind of old enough to like, yeah, enjoy it too. Because I know you said you and Owen went as a family trip, and that was a big deal. I was in eighth grade, yeah, um, and so then Owen would have been in fourth grade. So I don't know how it's much really he not actually that remembers. Far off for me there, Brady. Yeah. Honestly. I know. Well, I mean, one starting school on Wednesday, right? <laughs> <laughs> Good lord, how did that happen? Yeah. Uh, the, so the the first night we got to DC, we uh stayed not that far from the White House. So we put our stuff down and and decided to walk down to the White House. There happened to be a crowd gathering around one of the one of the gates. So we stood around for about an hour and then sure enough, uh George W. Bush was the president at the time. Wow. Came out with his motorcade. This was um 7 months before 9/11. Yeah. Yeah. Spring, spring of eighth grade, so 2001, Dang. seven months before okay. 9-11. We would not have been allowed anywhere near the White House post 9-11, no. probably. No. I don't know what it's like there now, because that's the only time I've been to D.C. Did I tell you about the Forrest Gump sequel that was supposed to happen and didn't? No. So I read an article about how the um, the guy who wrote the first one had an entire script for the second um and i think had tom hanks buy-in and everything and oh, they went you might and pitched have mentioned it. this yeah yeah they went and pitched it like september 10th oh wow. or something of t- 2001 and the next day they were like and then everything changed yeah that's never gonna get made it sounded like a actually a really crap movie so most sequels probably are best. what's that i said most sequels are yeah, yeah. i mean it's probably it just stay what it is and what it was so <laughs> So that's our week in history. I didn't go to the 12th because you can't really top the 11th. And true. True. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm really proud of you, Brady. Like, honestly. Thank you. That was it, some, I was in the ballpark. Enough there. Yeah. I mean, you were never like totally way off. Right. You were, you were good. And anytime somebody mentions the 15, 1600s, it's Shakespeare's the automatic. Oh, yeah. Obvious guess. Y- yes. So, right. Bravo. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, as I mentioned earlier, Kelsey, it is week one of the NFL season. Bears and Rams in L.A. on Sunday night football. Sean Davis is a producer at ESPN Chicago. We talked to him about the Bears, both about this game and the season as a whole, and as well as the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. So let's get to that conversation right now. One of the NFL season is finally upon us, Kelsey. It feels like it's been a long time coming because we've had this kind of 
awkward two weeks between the last preseason game and uh, what will be week one against the L.A. Rams coming up for the Bears here uh, this coming Sunday evening. Uh, welcome back. Kelsey Lachlan, Brady Stiff, and ESPN Chicago producer Sean Davis joins us. Uh, Sean, how are you, man? I'm wonderful. How are you guys doing this holiday? Excellent. Do you have a good, uh, good Labor Day, a little barbecue action or something like that? Well, most of the action took place on yesterday. And then I just slept a lot today. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I feel that I was uh, nice. a, a weekend away. So I'm, you know, recovering today for sure. Uh, yeah, well, same here. <laughs> there you go. Well, hey, let's uh, let's jump right into it. Um, you know, week one of the Bears season, you know, so much will be made on Monday about whatever happens in Los Angeles on Sunday. But there will be 16 games after that to consider as well. So. Um, you know, it's hard to sort of uh, temper your expectations or temper your reactions as we watch this game as Bears fans coming up. And I think there, it's, it's going to be an interesting game. and It's going to be an interesting season um, through the preseason. Sean, has, has there been any one main concern that popped up for you? Well, my main concern always starts with the head coach, Matt Nagy. I don't know what we're going to get from him. Uh, I don't trust the fact that he's taking call, play calling back, the control of that. Uh, I don't trust him when it comes to Justin Fields. And I think for those people that are really upset about Justin Fields not seeing the field game one and starting like most of the other young quarterbacks that he was drafted with in the same class, has nothing to do with Justin Fields and nothing to do with playing time. It's simply the fact that Matt Nagy is the one making that decision. Think about it. If it was Andy Reid, the head coach of the Chicago Bears, and he tells this Bears fan base, you know what, this kid needs time, be patient with him, I think most of us would, would trust Andy Reid because of his track record. Sure. The fact that it's Matt Nagy, he tells us one thing, and then we see something else on the field, and we've gone through that multiple times as a fan base, then that leads us to be uh, mistrusting of uh, what he says. So I think that's where most of us are at as far as Justin Fields in this season. And other than that, my next concern will probably be the fact that this is one of the oldest rosters. And it happened very quickly. That's how it happens <laughs> yeah. in football, right? In three or four years, you go from one of the most young, exciting teams in the NFL to one of the oldest rosters in the NFL. So it's almost like a do or die season. But yet still, we have the promise of Justin Fields. So it's mixed emotions. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I get all of that. Um, yeah, like I said, I think it's going to be an interesting season when, or I should say if, but I mean, we're assuming that Justin Fields will get the ball at some point um, and, and take over the reins, even though it, it's, it sounds a lot like Mitch's first season, right? With yeah. Mike Glennon saying, this is my year. This is my year. And Andy Dalton pretty much saying the same thing. Mike Glennon lasted four games, not even. I think it was three games. And Mitch started that fourth game because Glennon was so unbelievably bad. I think Andy yeah. Dalton is going to be better than Mike Glennon was. But, I mean, it's just a matter of time before Justin Fields sees the field. Yeah, and you have to think players on the roster are watching everything that's taking place in practice, right? Like, mm -hmm. they're seeing who's the better quarterback. And eventually, you know, you start to hear the whispers in the locker room. And if they begin to lose games, you know, they're looking at each other saying, why is this dude still the quarterback? Like, it's time for this kid to play. And I think one of the things that protected 
Patrick Mahomes in his situation is that he had a a guy in front of him and Alex Smith that not only had one playoff games in San Francisco, but he was being successful in winning playoff games in Kansas City as well. So I don't think that's the same situation here. I think the Bears are going to struggle out, struggle out the gate. Two really tough games against Cleveland and the Rams in the first three. Uh, they might be able to win the second game, and then it hit the bye week. So mm-hmm. just like Mike Lennon and, and Mitch, that's a, a perfect connection there. It might be the fourth game for Justin Fields where we actually see him on the field, depending upon how Andy Dalton and his offense uh, actually perform. And even though we say that, I do believe that Andy Dalton will be able to produce more than Nick Foles and Mitch did in this offense. It's just a matter of has Matt Nagy improved his play calling? I was talking to someone earlier today, and I said, you know, Coaching is one thing. Teaching technique, teaching someone footwork, that's that's wonderful. It's probably a lot of people in this world that can do it and they know the game well enough to do it and do it very well. Play calling on a Sunday and being good at it is a totally different beast. Mm-hmm. You, have, you have to have a feel for it and you have to have the instincts for it. And it's very much natural and everyone's not born with that. Or they don't come up under that. You know, Kyle Shanahan grew up with one of the greatest play callers in his own household. Yep. So it's very it's very natural for him. Uh, and just because Matt Nagy came off of the Andy Reid tree doesn't mean that he's going to be the great play caller that Andy Reid is. But hopefully he can become much better and stay committed to the run game, like he said. He can look at the tape of the end of the season, the second half of the season last year, and say, you know, when, when David Montgomery got the ball 20 times, we were successful as a team. And hopefully he can stick to that and help this defense stay off the field and keep the, keep them in games. Just the NFL. Most of these games are going to be decided by one possession. Right? Seven points or less. So the Bears will be in these games, even against the best teams. It's just a matter of can they make the plays on the offensive end to get them over the hump. Sean, what what role do you think the O-line plays in this? And and what's your confidence in the offensive line or perhaps lack thereof? Oh, man, this goes back. To, everything <laughs> for me goes back to Matt, Matt Nagy, right? Because every offensive line coach he's had has been, you know, the sacrificial lamb for mm-hmm. why this offensive line has struggled. I don't even want to talk about uh, Tevian Jenkins and the back problem. That's That's Ryan Pace. Yep. And it was ridiculous for him to say, yeah, we knew about it, but we knew everything that every other team knew. Yeah, but mm. you were the only team that drafted him. <laughs> right. yeah. so, it really, <laughs> that, so, I mean, what are you saying? So, with, with that being said, I look at Cody Whitehair, I look at James Daniels, and I'm like, yo, why haven't these guys developed to the point where they're consistently very good players at that position? I think Cody has been uh, – have reached a peak two years ago and he's leveled off a little bit. James Daniels has never reached the expectations. I believe most people have for him coming out of Iowa. I think he actually might be playing his second best position as well. Okay. In in my opinion. And then the tackle situation, 
I mean, what we had last year was the disdain with which you even just say that, like, oh, and the tackle situation, (laughs) like, like, yep, gear it up, let's go. (laughs) Exactly. And it's, it's, you know, you sit back and you say to yourself, how do you not get this offensive line right in four years? It's been four years of shuffling and very, Mm -hmm. very bad offensive line play, and we keep trying to put immobile quarterbacks behind bad offensive lines and we finally get a quarterback that can make plays off schedule and we don't want to play them and what's the excuse we use oh well we don't have an offensive line and we want to make sure he's ready to go into that situation so Mm -hmm. yeah i'm I'm very disappointed just as most bears fans are disappointed with the production from the offensive line but with that being said you know i still hold out hope i guess uh, Larry Borm has been getting most of the reps or getting reps behind Jason Peters at that left tackle position. So they've kind of settled on him being the backup left tackle, which says even more about Tevian Jenkins and when he might be back on the field. So Sure. And and who knows how long three. Jason Peters will, will last. I mean, uh, I heard yeah. a, a report the other day that, you know, he was taking two reps and then huffing and puffing his way back to the sideline. I mean, he's 39 years old, and they picked him up late, so not expecting him to be, you know, game shape. But, I mean, you got to be able to play more than two plays. Um, I think the offensive line is the root of all the problems because, you know, we want to scrutinize Matt Nagy's play calling. We want to scrutinize, you know, Mitch's play or Foles' play or Dalton's, whoever's back there. But if Matt Nagy can't use the whole playbook because he knows they can't block anything, That's that goes back to the offensive line. That goes back to Ryan Pace, even though we want to, you know, throw the dart at Matt Nagy. I totally agree with that. That's a fair point. And then my counter to that is all of that goes back to Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you need to solve this issue. And for the last three years, you've done a poor job collectively solving this issue. Like I would Brady, you would think I know that my job is on the line. <laughs> right. If things don't start, if I don't win games. Yeah. And if this is the position group that's keeping me from consistently winning games and I don't do anything about it, yeah. I don't walk, I'm, I'm sure he walked into the office, not even last season, towards the end of the 2019 season and said, yo, I need another quarterback. I'm pretty sure he said that to Ryan Pace. <laughs> like, I, I can't make this work. I need another quarterback. Well, yeah. at the same time, you should have been saying, you know what? Charles Leno isn't it. I need another left tackle. Mm. Or I need another right guard. So, And you don't think those said, conversations were really even had, right? I mean, that's well, the you point. Know what? They may have been had, but this goes back to what they said after last season. They came and saw the media and spoke with the media and said, it's a collective. It's a collective between myself and Matt. And we're going to get the job done. That's what they said. So the collective, the previous three seasons, have they have not got the job done. So how can I trust that they're going to get the job done moving forward? And that's where most Bears fans are at. Like, what do we have to hold on to other than the fact that we have Justin Fields? That's, that's really all we can trust. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, Sean, the way you put that about, like, he's got to know that his job is on the line due to this group. And to me, it sort of makes me think about it. Like, what do you do with an employee who has a clear weakness 
and just mm-hmm. is not addressing it. <laughs> really, just just right. isn't bringing it up because it's 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 universal across all workplaces, right? I mean, obviously, yeah. we're talking about a very specific work environment, um, but realistically, it's just like another workplace. And you're sitting here looking at this guy like, do you not know that this is your weakness? Because right. you know we've. It's hard not to know, but you know, maybe maybe we just need to make it clearer. Maybe something needs to happen there. But it's funny how you brought it up like that. I hadn't actually thought of it that way before. If this were somebody that I were managing, um, I'd have some words with that person. And I just think it's kind of interesting what onus is on the coach and what onus is on his boss, and you know how that kind of goes. And and to your point, he's going to get you know sacked if he or canned. I guess is a better term because. <laughs> Sacked is just a little too on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's going to get canned. It's going to be his own his own deal. But I just that's an interesting relationship that I hadn't thought about until you said it just like that. And I was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll tell you what. who do that. <laughs> what stage? What stage do you guys think he's at? Has he received a verbal warning? Has he been written up yet? Who knows? I mean, we never <laughs> know what happens at Hellas Hall. Right. Yeah. It's it's never we never get one inkling or. Uh, a hint of anything, you know, uh, who's running the show there? Is Ted Phillips still involved? We, do, I mean, it's one of the most disorganized franchises in sports. I mean, I, I know it's a family business and, and Virginia's still involved, maybe somehow. I don't know. Um, she? I mean, uh, she's almost 100. That's um, what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Ryan Pace is not going to speak to the media again until after this season now. I mean, you talk about not being held accountable and, and you know, the, the media is not here to play gotcha or, you know, not here to, um, you know, openly criticize Ryan Pace's decisions. But, you know, fans deserve some answers when the charter franchise of the NFL is mediocre at best. I mean, two of the last four seasons, did they make the playoffs? Factually, yes. But has anything happened? No, absolutely not. Now, Justin Fields, I think, is a step in the right direction, and, and uh, Ryan Pace might have bought himself some more time, but it's this is his second quarterback now. If Justin Fields doesn't work out for whatever reason, he's never going to work in the NFL again. Yeah. yeah that's pretty solid. I, I, you mentioned that, and I forgot. <laughs> I don't know how I forgot that this is his, he's on his second quarterback. How could I ever forget the first one and how that came about? <laughs> And the other two guys that were drafted behind them that have mm-hmm. gone on to be top five quarterbacks in the league. Not dare. to mention unnecessarily trading up, you know, one spot. Right. Just one <laughs> spot. One spot. John Lynch just embarrassing him, you know, in the eyes of other GMs. So, yeah, you're right. And we're at a point now. I talked about the age of the roster, but we're at a point now where it's a good thing. That's the good thing about the NFL. If you have a GM that knows what he's doing, a roster can be pretty much be flipped within a year to two years and you can have a different outlook on it. But, you know, guys like Larry Borm have to be developed. Uh, they talked about they had a second round grade on him. Well, if that's the case, you should have drafted him in the second round instead of waiting as late as you did. And I still don't understand how you overlook the medicals for Jenkins and, and, and took him. You, you make a great move to get Justin Fields to pick up the draft, and then you go and do something just that dumb in the very next pick. It just baffles me. Yep. It okay, so I'm me. I'm showing my ignorance. What what was overlooked? 
uh, with Tevin Jenkins, he was pulled from the Oklahoma o- Oklahoma State game, which I believe was like week 10 of the college football season okay. in 2020 uh, with a back issue. Oh, it was a iron, it was, <laughs> it's kind of a big one. It, yeah, <laughs> it was a spoke, it was spoken of by his college coach as a minor issue, but he never played again. And then the following week, his agent and him made a decision to forego the rest of the season and to start preparing for the draft. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So the medical, they go through the medicals. Every team gets the medicals. Yeah. And showed the back issue. And they just yeah. overlooked it. They, they just overlooked it like, oh, it'll get better. And it makes you, you wonder know, what, the th- what the thinking is there. <laughs> like, yeah. what could you possibly be thinking? Yeah, but why like, would you What waste? do you know that we don't? And honestly, I don't think there's anything known that, that isn't known <laughs> widely. This, so. this goes back to the collective decision we were talking about. Mm-hmm. You know how important this season is. Yeah. You obviously knew how important the position is because you go get your quarterback and you say, uh-huh. we need to get a left tackle. And then in that, knowing that the left tackle you choose is someone that has a back issue, which is like something you don't do. You just don't do. And there were mm-hmm. other comparable tackles on the board at the same time. So just when you think they were taking two, step forward, two steps forward, they took three back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Sunday night uh, and the Los Angeles Rams. And, you know, Aaron Donald just has to be licking his chops going against this offensive line. I mean, I'm a little bit worried for Andy Dalton's safety on Sunday night. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as you should be, as you should be. But even more than that, I'm worried about the entire team, because if you go back to last season, the Rams gave the blueprint on how to beat this this Bears defense and get away from that pass rush. Just run the ball, bootlegs, waggles. McVay did everything that frustrated this defense. Now, Sean Desai will see if he has a counter to that, if he's watched the film from last year to say, okay, this is how we're going to attack, you know, this uh, this offense, this Rams offense. Matter of fact, too, if I'm not mistaken, they just lost their starting running back, I believe. He was injured. And they just made a trade. I forgot who they traded for. So that's something they'll have to deal with. But they have a solid offensive line. They have a solid defensive line. They have a great overall defense. And it's going to be a challenge, especially with the Bears having questions in the defensive backfield. We don't know what we're going to get from anybody else other than Jalen Johnson. Can Eddie Jackson return to form and start being the playmaker he was, which I have my doubts. Mm-hmm. You know, I, literally, he might be a one-hit wonder. Is it, it maybe one of those guys who got paid and now is just trying to, you know, protect his protect his health so he can keep getting paid? Yeah, another guy who came into the draft when he was drafted injured, and they took a flyer on him, and I think in the fourth round, and it's worked out p- perfectly for them because you know, two years later, he's an All Pro. Yep. Yep. So we'll 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 definitely see. How things go, but like you said, Andy Dalton will probably be running for his life the majority of the game, <laughs> more than like. Yeah, have you landed on a prediction yet? It's gonna be. I believe it's gonna be a close game, unless Andy Dalton just turns the ball over. I think the Bears will keep it close into the fourth quarter. But I actually, I think there will be more pressure on Matthew Stafford coming into this game. 
right? Because it's like, dude, we went out and got you mm-hmm. to go to the Super Bowl. Yep. Like you are the difference. Like Jared Goff like, was never Jared Goff was never so awful, right? I mean, I know he had some mm-hmm. bad games, but I mean Wow, what a way to say it, Brady. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's a ringing endorsement right there. I mean, they they <laughs> traded a young quarterback for a much older quarterback, but you talk about all time great fantasy football players. Matthew Stafford is he puts up Madden numbers, so um, you know yeah. may, maybe that maybe that is the missing piece there. I don't I don't know. We'll we'll see. Um, but hey, let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit, Sean. And I know you just picked up a little bit of a side gig uh, through Sports Illustrated. So tell us about that. Yeah, I'm a staff writer at SI's Iris Breakdown at irisbreakdown.com. Uh, right now, I'm pretty much doing uh, write-ups on Notre Dame football players in the NFL on a weekly basis. I also do Cover Zero, which is pretty much uh, betting tips for four or five games each and every week. And then I fill in on the uh, podcast on Mondays. Matter of fact, I did the uh, Brian Kelly press conference wrap-up on our YouTube page earlier today. So you can go oh, watch but that. that was fun. Yeah, it really was. It really was. Brian Kelly always gives you something right. Post game. You know, he's trying he gave to gave a lot you. this week. If, uh, if I recall, <laughs> yes, it's not he maybe his smartest comment yesterday, but miss miss quotes, John McKay, and then yeah. finds out today that everybody's in an uproar. And then he's upset that everybody didn't know what yeah. he was trying to say. Well, it's hard to know what you were trying to say when you said it wrong. It's <laughs> <That's> a fair <laughs> point. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, and also I just started a, a podcast called the Lucky Lefty Podcast with former Notre Dame quarterback Malik Zaire. Uh, awesome. That we do. Oh, man. For Notre Dame. So just, just get well, my, uh, Brady, now Kevin's going to actually football. listen to a podcast. <laughs> there so you my, go. We, our big joke, Sean, is that my husband doesn't listen to our podcast because like, <laughs> I don't know, Appar- apparently I ruined sports for him. Um, but... you go through that too. My wife won't listen to my podcast. <laughs> well, she can listen to this and my husband can listen to yours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it sounds like go. something he would love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a new listener already. I'm going to tell him about there it. There you He's go. Gonna be like, perfect. I, great. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, so tell us about this Irish team, Sean. You know, I, I, I'll be honest. I, I've only seen the highlights of last night's game because of the trip we were on. And, um, you know, uh, but it sounds like after one game, maybe they have a quarterback on their hands. Well, I expected that they would have a decent quarterback. We're talking about Jack Cohn. He right. was successful at Wisconsin. And, you know, they went to the Big Ten Championship game the last time he started. Uh, you know, of course, you get the young, exciting, fresh quarterback. Everybody wants him to play. That's what happened with Graham Mertz. He was inserted as the starter. Jack Cohn decided to transfer. So this is very much a transitional year from Notre Dame. Uh, we didn't have a quarterback on the roster that we could trust. Ian Book is in the NFL uh, on the New Orleans Saints, and Jack Cohn being in the transfer portal was perfect timing, perfect time to come out and get a uh, veteran quarterback that has been through the Big Ten wars, so nothing should phase him. And I think you saw that last night. He His calming presence was very much welcomed in that game. Uh, the return of Kevin Austin, who's been injured the last two seasons, we thought he would be the stud receiver that we needed in, in the program, and he showed that last night. 
and Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree, the uh, tandem in the backfield of the speed and the power, the perfect combination. And offensive line, you know, starting a true freshman, Blake Fisher at left tackle, who showed himself quite well against Florida State until he went out with an injury, strained a new uh, new ligament, and he should be back in about two weeks. So there's a lot of hope. And I mentioned it's a transitional season. Uh, Vegas has them taking a major step back, going from college football playoff to possibly eight wins. I don't see it being that bad. Uh, the floor is probably nine wins. I don't think the ceiling is college football playoffs, but I do think if everything goes right, they should win no less than 10, 11 games. So you can, that's a successful season in a transitional year. And then they've stacked up the number five recruiting class coming in next year. And then the number two recruiting class currently, and that's the impact of Marcus Freeman and the great recruiter that he is, the new uh, defensive coordinator. So the blueprint is being laid. They're trying to close the gap on the likes of Clemson and Alabama. And Irish fans should just enjoy uh, watching some of the young talent on the field that's going to be able to grow and to have a competent quarterback use some of the weapons that they do have on the offensive end. I mean, they didn't play well, and they put up 41 points. Right. So that's, right. that's pretty good. And a road game opening the season, prime time, you know, against, you know, not a cupcake. I know Florida State isn't ranked, but it's still Florida mm -hmm. State. Um, conference game, you know, all, all that. Um, Notre Dame is, is one of the – and every sport has a brand name like this that elicits the reaction one way or the other, and sometimes to the extreme. And Notre Dame is that way. Kelsey, if you want to, like – expand upon what it's like to live in a Notre Dame household and not, not, not just, not just Kevin. I mean, he got it from his dad and you know, there's uh, families all over the country that are like that specifically with Notre Dame football because mm -hmm. they, you know, sort of like the Cubs, they got that uh, broadcast network TV treatment every yeah. Saturday. So I actually, uh, Brady, it's funny you bring that up because I had no idea that that's, that was the development of the Irish into a national brand until um, I was on a, a girl's trip with some girlfriends in New Buffalo, including Anne, um, and was up early nursing Adam, who was itty bitty at the time. And there was like one channel that came in and it was some sort of ESPN channel or something. And they were doing a special on the Irish and how they became kind of a, a, a household name. And I had no idea... And that is how my, my husband's family started watching. Um, and that's why they're interested, et cetera. They also happen to be Irish. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that helps. But, and, and they like to pretend that they're more Irish than they are, <laughs> which I feel is a thing for Irish people, but like like slightly <laughs> Irish people. Yeah. So, yeah, my husband's uh, probably only about 12% Irish, but, you know, mm -hmm. the name's Lachlan. So I guess we get that. Um, but I will say that it's kind of an interesting thing in our household. Um, it's absolutely about the sports, um, but it's a bit about the culture of the sports as well. Um, so, you know, you're looking at, um, was it Austin who sat out all, was it last year? Was last year was an injury, but sophomore year yeah. was, was he was what? benched all of sophomore year, I think. Yeah, um, his foot, he's had the same reoccur uh, reoccurring foot injury. Okay. Uh, broken bone in his foot. Uh, he healed up. He was supposed to be coming back last season. Got and it. then, like, a week before the start of the season, 
he re-injured it, fractured it again. So Got yeah, it. it's been a frustrating two years for uh, Kevin Austin. Yeah. I, well, and I was talking to my husband about that. And the reason I bring it up is because I had asked, I was like, well, was he, was he benched on? Um, Cause I, we didn't realize it was injury, honestly, maybe Kevin did. I didn't. Um, but there's just a lot of talk a lot of the time about the expectations of the players and, and um, scholastic achievement. And I'm a huge nerd. So that, that <laughs> means something to me. Um, and it might mean that they'll never be quite as competitive as they could be. Um, but that's, you know, something that we just enjoy watching. Um, I remember just as a total side note, coming home from a whirlwind trip to Europe, my first time I'd ha- I'd ever been there and I spent like three weeks studying abroad and I saw like Paris and the Eiffel Tower and Notre Dame. Right. Um, and I came home and I was trying to show Kevin photos and he was like, yeah, yeah. But I went to Notre Dame for a game while you were gone. And look at this. Isn't it beautiful? <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? So that's what it's like to live in a Notre Dame household. Like there's nothing that could be more amazing than than what is Notre Dame. And we're here well, in the Chicagoland area. What is it? A two hour drive to South Bend. Yeah, it's not so, far at all. Yeah. And Rudy. And Rudy. And Rudy. Yeah. I mean, like the, the, the deck was stacked. I right. Mean, it's, it's just what it is. But yeah, I have a similar story. Of... Oh, I have good. a similar story. My grandfather, uh, he had a business in the stockyards and um, okay. a trailer business. He repaired trailers. So he had a lot of business with alums from Notre Dame. Oh. And uh, after, you know, just years of business, they gifted him season tickets. Oh, wow. There's a there's a picture of me in Notre Dame Stadium, literally maybe a year old, like on my grandfather's lap. Oh, my gosh. So that's that's literally how Notre Dame became a part of my life. And they weren't Notre Dame. They weren't USC fans. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, lady, this gets worse. This gets worse. (laughs) My, my, My grandfather and my father are USC fans. But, of course, who's going to turn down Notre Dame tickets? Right. They start going to games, and they take me to the games. I fall in love with Notre Dame. I have a daughter. I raise her up on Saturdays when she's in her little walker. She's right in front of the TV with me, watching the games, soaking everything in. And she gets to her senior year in 2020. And what school does she choose to go to? USC. 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 (laughs) So I can never escape USC fandom is it's just the irony of it is is hilarious and that of course is, you see the video Saturday from her student section from the game talking about <laughs> look dad I'm like really you're killing me right now. that hurts doesn't it yeah it really does but I'm glad she's enjoying her college experience it's great to see absolutely well That's hey very man. nice of you yeah <laughs> We'll let you get back to your Monday night here, Sean. Um, it seems like every time I open Twitter, you're on some other podcast or some other medium. I, I don't know how you have time for all of it, man. Hey, man, I just love talking sports. And just to be in this position, uh, Brady, you know, you know the work we put in. We mm-hmm. go all the way back to ICB. That's and right. When you put in this much work, in order to do it, you have to enjoy it. And uh, just meeting people like you on this path, it's been a great experience in establishing relationships. And like I said, uh, I've been blessed, man. That's the way I look at it. Not a lot of people have been blessed to be in the position that I am. So I don't take it for granted. And I just appreciate you and Kels giving me the time tonight to come on and talk with you. Hey, let me ask you guys a question. Sure. Because last year, 
there were absolutely no fans, right, mm-hmm. in uh-huh. any stadiums. How impactful do you guys think these raucous uh, stadiums were to these college players? And how will it impact these NFL players? I'm, I'm really interested in that because I think a lot of quarterbacks specifically walked into environments they hadn't seen for over like 15 months. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. had to be a, a kind of a shock to the system. Like last year, you there were no silent, you know, silent calls. Right. You right. know, because of crowd noise, you didn't have to think about that. But now, you know, you have 100,000 going crazy or 80,000 if you look at DJ, you know, starting for the first time for Clemson. I just think it had a, a, a great effect. What do you guys think? It's definitely, it's got to be a shock to the system. Absolutely. Um, you, you, you remember, you know, even if they were coming in from high school, you remember what a full stadium sounded like, whether it was, mm-hmm. you know, depending on, depending on where they played high school ball, you know, 10,000 people or, you know, I, I don't even know what our high school stadium held, 2,000 people maybe. Yeah. But, man, you go into Death Valley on a, on a, in a night game and um, that crowd is that way. Or, you know, you go to um, just last night, Florida State and Notre Dame. I mean, that that crowd, that stadium, I mean, that's as passionate a fan base as any. Um, It's it's so it's 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 probably like one of those things where that initial shock hits you and then halfway through the first quarter, you're like, okay, this is normal. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I've never played in front of a hundred thousand people, though, so I don't know. (laughs) I haven't either. I haven't either. I just thought it was interesting. Like, man, this has to be kind of a culture shock of a bit. Mm-hmm. For these players, man, to be in front of all of these fans again after missing it over a year. Yeah, I feel like if it was a, a shock for me as a viewer to see people, <laughs> it was probably a shock for them as players. Because yeah. that was like, damn, that's a huge crowd. Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, no distancing, no masking, et cetera, which of course our mandate just went back in. Right. So right. I was kind of expecting right. to see it. And Kevin was like, I'll tell you what, I, I guess I guess I can relate somehow um, when the Yankees were in town uh, to play the White Sox just after the, the baseball trading deadline. Uh, we had got mm-hmm. tickets because we were hoping to see Rizzo and then he test positive, whatever. We still went to the game Saturday night, guaranteed rate field. I don't know if I've ever been to a more raucous crowd than that wow. sellout Yankees in town, Sox, you know, battling for the division and everything. I mean, that. That place was jumping and loud and crazy, and I'm sure there was a fight somewhere. I don't even know, but it seems to be every time they show something about guaranteed rate field, it's a fight in the bleachers. It's so, a fight. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going. I'm going to Wrigley on Saturday. I don't expect quite the same atmosphere, but uh, <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, man. Uh, at S, is it SD Two Mics on Twitter? Yeah, awesome. SD Two Mics on Twitter and Instagram. Yep. Awesome. Well, hey, man. We'll let you go. Thanks so much for doing this, and uh, and we'll be in touch soon. All right. Sure thing. You guys take care. Thanks, Sean. Thanks again to Sean Davis of ESPN Chicago for all his insight on the Bears and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. It's going to be a long and interesting NFL season. When does Justin Fields start? How many wins do the Bears put up? How are Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace going to coexist? All that to come plus more throughout this NFL season. Kelsey, put your big boy pants on. We're back at it.
Woo-hoo! <laughs> All right. Until next time, I'm Kelsey. And I'm Brady. And we'll be back.